Good morning. I'd like to welcome those to First Church this morning. I'd like to welcome those that are listening on the radio and watching on Facebook Live. Thanks, Reagan, for a nice rendition of that music. Very good. Thank you for doing the prelude this morning. Just a couple announcements here before we get going. The Red Rose on the Altar is in honor of Lee and Gloria Schreer, who are going to celebrate 64 years of marriage on May 24th. Congratulations. And today is the last day of Sunday school. We'd like to thank all our Sunday school teachers whose hard work they've shared over the last year in teaching and the shared love for Jesus. So we appreciate that and thank you for your time and efforts. Ladies, uh, Maria Lammers and Tori Bredigan will be leading Priscilla Schreier's Armor of God Bible Study on Wednesday evenings. And this is going to start June 15th at 7 p.m. There's a sign-up sheet over here in the information, or information center. And also, don't forget to register your kids for Vacation Bible School. You can do that online at www.firstchurch.org. So, that's kind of what we have for announcements today. Would you please rise and join me in the call of worship taken from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the, mount, or who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may ascend his holy place? Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he? The king of glory? Now let us sing hymn number 234, Crown Him with Many Crowns.
stage. Sorry, we're going to rearrange a little bit. Why don't you guys just step right up here? We'll do what we have to do, right? Here we go. Okay. Well, uh, baptizing Henry here this morning. He's got a nice smile on his face, so that's a good thing. He's ready for this. Um, it's just a joy to be able to do this and to be able to celebrate the sacrament of baptism with you. Um, as we've talked about this before and as we talked and we met for this day, uh, we're reminded on days like this of, of the commitment to raise our children to know and love and serve the Lord. And that's, that's what we're doing here today. Um, this is a time for you as a family to commit to that faith together. And for you, Andrew and Lauren, to commit to raise Henry in that same faith that you profess and believe in. The faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Jesus invites us to baptize uh, through the Great Commission. He says in Matthew 28, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so it's in obedience to this command that we as a church baptize believers and their children. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached that first sermon um, and, and says that many thousands were saved that day. They were, they were cut to the heart, and they asked what they should do. And Peter told them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So Lauren and Andrew, having heard God's gracious promises to us in Christ, do you desire that Henry be baptized today? Praise God. And now as a way to uh, express your faith and, and share that faith uh, as, as a witness here in, in our church family and before God, I ask you the following questions. Do you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? Do you intend to be Christ's faithful disciples, trusting his promises, obeying his word, honoring his church, and showing his love as long as you live? And will you devote yourself to the church's teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers? Praise God. Now, church family, let's share, let's, let's take a moment here and recite the Apostles' Creed together as a statement of our shared faith and belief. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again, and he ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, O God, for the gift of life, and we thank you for this family and for this child being baptized today. You, Lord, are the author of life and the giver of every good and perfect gift. Through the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, you've made it possible for us to be accepted into your family. I pray that you would bless and sustain this child. Draw him to yourself just as Jesus welcomed the children during his ministry. May he grow to love you with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also pray for his parents that you would equip them to fulfill the promise they make today. 
Bless and sustain them as they teach their children to know and love you. All this we pray in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. At this time, we get to have the the honor and the privilege to hear your vows. Um, This is, again, if you think about the sacred moments that that we go through in life, like like a wedding, right? The, The core of that wedding is the vows, the commitment that you make towards one another as husband and wife. And so at the kind of core of what we're doing here today is the vow that you as parents are making to Henry uh, to, to teach him, to help him to know and understand God's love for him so that as he grows older and when he's old enough to make that decision for himself, he's equipped and ready to make that decision on his own. And so I'm going to ask you the following questions. Um, since you both presented our, are presenting Henry for baptism, we ask you the following questions before God and his people. Do you promise to instruct Henry by word and example with the help of the Christian community in the truth of God's word and in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray for him and teach him to pray? And do you promise to nurture him within the body of believers as citizens of Christ's kingdom? Praise God. And church family, we have an opportunity to join in on this um, special moment here today as well, because not only is, is it an opportunity for us to witness their commitment but we also have an opportunity to commit to come alongside them and help them to fulfill that commitment they're making here today. We as a church family can support you with practical means like the you know, Sunday school program and youth ministry that we offer here um, as, as a way to come alongside you and help you to disciple Henry to know the Lord. But we also can do that in maybe less formal ways by words of encouragement and support as you, as you raise him to know Jesus. And so, brothers and sisters, as we receive Henry into Christ's church today, I charge you to nurture and love him and to assist them to be Christ's faithful disciples. With joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ's church, for we are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you, and to help you know and follow Christ. Here's the moment of truth here. baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Let's pray together. Gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the free gift of salvation that is made available through his death and resurrection. And we thank you for the symbol of baptism, which reminds us that you wash away our sins and give us new life as we put our trust in you. We pray for Henry, that you bless and strengthen him with the da- daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit, and fold to him the riches of your love, deepen his faith, and keep him from the power of evil. Enable him to live a holy and blameless life until your kingdom comes. And may he grow to know, love, and serve you with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also ask that you look with kindness on Andrew and Lauren, Let them always rejoice in the gift that you've given them. Grant them the presence of your Holy Spirit that they may bring up Henry to know you, love you, and serve you and his neighbor. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Congratulations, guys. We're so happy to to come alongside you in this special moment here today. We have a Bible to send home with you that you can read with Henry. And, of course, the white rose on the altar is for you to take home to remember this day as well. Um, As they go and be seated, we want to invite you to... 
uh, the children to come forward for children's chat and take a moment to greet your neighbor. quiet. It's the last week of school, guys. You guys should be really excited. Good morning. Good morning. I knew that would do the trick. Who's excited for the last week of school? Who's really, who's really excited for summer? Who's even more excited for vacation Bible school? Good, good. I better see you all there. I'm excited for it. Okay, real quick. Can you show me with your hands how big God is. How big is God? If you were to show me with your hands, how big is he? It's pretty big, right? Okay. How awesome is God? This is awesome. Yeah. So Pastor Joel has been talking about God recently. He's been talking about who God is and what he does, right? So I came up with a list of things to tell us who God is. So I'm going to read a few of those. And a couple of them you might remember from different children's chats over the last couple weeks. So the first one is God is almighty, right? He is all-powerful. He is the Alpha and the Omega. You guys remember that one from last week? From up there, the Alpha and the Omega. Yep. He's the beginning and the end. He's awesome, just like we talked about. He is compassionate. He is faithful. He forgives. He is glorious. He is good, right? He guides us as his people. He is holy. Uh, he is our hope. He is just. He is love. Don't touch him. Um, he is almighty. He is everywhere all the time. And he knows everything. Now, that's just a, those are just a few words that help describe who God is, right? Now, let me ask you this. Is God loving only sometimes? No, God is loving all the time. Does God forgive us only sometimes? No. no, he forgives us all the time, right? Is God with us on some days and not others? No, he's with us all the time because that's who he is. And the coolest thing is that God is loving, he is forgiving, he is compassionate all the time. He never stops being all of those things, right? You know, sometimes when we think about how big and how awesome God is, does it kind of make your head hurt? It kind of makes my head spin. But it's really cool because, you know what, the more that we get to know God, the more he shows us who he is. So how do we get to know who God is? By eating sugar? No. <laughs> that were true, I would know God really well because I love sugar. But well, how do we know who God is? Pray. Praying. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. What else are we doing right now? 
Yeah, children's chat, learning about him at Sunday school, vacation Bible school, all of those things. All those, all those things help us to learn about who God is. And the more that we know about God, the more that we can love him and that we can serve him because he is the one that deserves all of our love, all of our praise, and all of our service to him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for who you are. I thank you that you are a good father and that you take care of us so well and that you love us all the time. God, I just pray that you would be with us, that you would be with these kids as they go into their last week of school, and I pray that we would live and serve you only. We love you, and we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Amen. Amen. Thanks, kids. You guys can head back to your seats. Thank you, Tori, for sharing children's chat with us this morning. A couple announcements that I want to just highlight for you once again before we take up our offering. The offering today does go to support Mark Bird with Revive Ohio. Uh, many of you know Mark personally in, in the ministry of Revive Ohio that uh, kind of um, has been around for several years now and the good work that they do. So our offering will go to support his ministry as he leads that uh, ministry here in the state of Ohio. Also want to take a moment and and highlight a new announcement for you that's in your bulletin. Um, on June 5th at 7 p.m., there's going to be another praise and prayer night. I know this one is a little bit of a short notice, but we would have wanted to, um, that is the Sunday night before VBS kicks off, and uh, we wanted to start that week off with an opportunity for us as a, as a church family community to gather together and to praise God and to pray for our community and pray for the week of VBS. Um, so if you're able to join us that night, that'll be here in the sanctuary at 7 p.m., and we will encourage you to join us in praying for VBS, even if you can't be here that night. Um, we do covet your prayers for that ministry as well. Also, today is the last Sunday for our choir, so I want to take a moment and thank Holly Smith, as well as both choirs, the vocal choir and bell choir, for their contributions to our services of worship this past year. We're grateful for what they bring to the, the table here and grateful for the ways that they lead us and guide us into worship through their songs. So appreciate everything that you guys have done this past year. Uh, with that being said, let's um, want to invite the deacons to come forward to collect our offering today.
this time we're going to continue to stand and worship the Lord together. Um, this next praise song is called In Jesus' Name. Um, I think I don't believe we've sung this during the Sunday morning service yet, but we did sing it as a praise night. Um, and I just want to encourage you as we sing this song to, to offer this song up as a prayer as we lead into our prayer time here this morning, um, praying for um, God to work in your life, whatever circumstances you're facing, no matter what issue you're going through. Um, praying over those things, praying over yourself, praying over your family in Jesus' name, praying that he would work according to his will. Let's go to the Lord in song and prayer as we sing this next song together.
In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were going up to the temple during a time of prayer. And it says at 3 in the afternoon, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly gave this man's feet and ankles. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gates called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray. Father God, we we come before you and we know, Lord, um, silver and gold and the things of this world are only temporary. But they cannot truly heal or or save or, or give meaning or purpose. Only you can do that. The one thing, Lord, that we have that we can offer is the name of Jesus. And so whatever challenges or circumstances that are are represented in our prayers and concerns list or are represented in this room today or even those that are listening on the radio or watching online, Lord, Lord, we come before you and just pray in Jesus' name that you would work in those situations. Lord, that's all we have, but it's enough. It is enough because it is your name that is power. It is your name, Lord, that brings healing. It's your name that that brings salvation and hope. Lord, we don't always, we know our circumstances in life are not always going to be perfect. We live in a world that is broken and affected by sin. But we do know, Lord, that whatever we face and whatever challenges are before us, we we have you. We have you, Lord. And you promise to never leave nor forsake us. And so as we come before you today in prayer, we pray in Jesus' name that you would work according to your will in our lives. Lord, we thank you for who you are and all that you've done for us. We you for your loving kindness towards us when we don't deserve it. And Lord, yes, we also thank you for your justice and your righteousness and your holiness. Because Lord, you are all of those things all the time, as Tori reminded us during children's chat. So Lord, we also pray for those in authority over us as your word calls us to do. And we pray for our local uh, government officials in the village of New Knoxville and Auglaise County and our surrounding communities. May you bless and sustain them. May you give them guidance and wisdom beyond their means, Lord, as they lead us at the local level. And we pray for those also in authority in our church family. We, we pray this day for our deacons. We thank you for their service. We thank you for the way that they, they welcome and greet us here as we come to worship you at, in this church building. And we thank you for the ways, Lord, that they lead and guide um, in their, their input on consistory. We pray, you, we pray, Lord, also um, that you just guide us as a church family into what you have in store for us in the future. 
We think of upcoming things like VBS, and we just pray that you guide and direct our our paths and, and pray, Lord, that you use us to make a difference in this community, around this nation, around this world. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And you may be seated. The scripture reading for today comes from Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then Isaiah 44, 6 through 8. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people. And what is yet to come? Yes, let them foretell what will come. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Anita. Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have the privilege to open it up together here this morning, and I pray that you would help us to see your truth and your beauty um, in, in, in these words here today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us, and I pray that you also give me words to speak. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Christ we pray. Amen. Yesterday was kind of a long day for my family. We uh, got up early yesterday morning and, and drove back to Huntington, Ohio um, to be there at the church I used to serve in before we moved to New Knoxville. Uh, they're celebrating their 200th anniversary this weekend. Uh, just a great opportunity to go and be a part of that. Uh, we got to have dinner and hear a presentation about the church's history and got to see lots of familiar faces we hadn't seen in almost six years. Um, so it was a really great opportunity. And as we were there, I was reminded of God's Uh, you know, faithfulness, you know, over time. We've been speaking these last few weeks about God's attributes, and we've talked about how he is eternal, he is unchanging. And and we were able to witness those things through that celebration yesterday. And of course, we witnessed those things here in God's faithfulness and his provision over the years at First Church as well. Today, we're going to continue on with our series of God's attributes. And today, we're looking at one that may be not as... um, maybe obvious as some of the ones that we've talked about here so far, but it is very important. And so we're going to be looking at what we call the unity of God. Uh, sometimes if, if, you're, if you're up for reading theology books, maybe like I am, you might see, God talk, or see theologians talking about God's simplicity, uh, but simple not in a negative way. Uh, God is simple as in he's not made up of parts. So let me, let me just kind of define that for you for just a moment, and then we'll move on together. And look at some scripture passages that help us understand this. One way to describe God's unity is that there is only one God and that he is undivided in his essence and character. Many of you probably remember standing up and saying the Pledge of Allegiance, right, during school. 
right? When that word we get to in the middle of the Pledge of Allegiance about indivisible, right? That the country is not divided up, but we are united together as a collection, a union of states. Well, that's kind of the idea here. God is indivisible. He cannot be divided up. He is not made up of, of multiple parts, but he is, there is one God and he is undivided in his essence and character. You just heard Anita read, Anita read a couple passages uh, from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy 6 and Isaiah 44. And those passages highlight that first part of the definition of God's unity, that there is only one God. And you have to remember the different circumstances uh, during the day that those passages and most of the Old and New Testament was written. In those days, polytheism was the norm. In other words, the worship of, of or the acknowledgement at least of many gods Monotheism was practically unheard of. So even if a particular group of people only worshipped one God, they still acknowledged that other gods existed. They just didn't acknowledge them as worthy of worship. So these people over here had maybe one or two gods. These people over here had a handful of their own. But the, the understanding was that there were many gods that existed And so the claim in both the Old and the New Testaments is that there is only one God. He alone created the heavens and the earth. He alone is sovereign Lord. He alone is worthy of honor and praise. And that idea would have been very strange to the the minds of those who just assumed that polytheism was the norm. Now fast forward to today, and we, we are in a different circumstance, but very much... Uh, in a similar way, monotheism, the claim that there's only one God, is just as strange to modern ears as it was then. Today, it's not necessarily polytheism, but, but we have atheism and humanism of, humanism of today. The main belief in our culture is not polytheism, but the belief that there is no God at all, that human beings are the ultimate authority for truth and practice, that we can decide for ourselves what is right and wrong. Now, to say that there is a God at all can be met with doubt and ridicule today. And so the idea that there's only one God is, is really important for us to grasp and hold on to. Because one of the problems that we as human beings have struggled with from the beginning of time is idol worship. Right? The predominant worldview may have changed over the last few thousand years, but that is the one consistent problem that people have struggled with since the beginning of time. Now, idol worship then might have been worship of other so-called gods, which, as Scripture says, are not really gods at all. They're lies, they're deceptions. Even if there is some spiritual power behind it, Scripture attests to the fact that they are influenced by demons, not truly gods. There are physical idols like the golden calf, like Baal and Asherah, those physical items that can be seen and manipulated and, yes, even ignored, right, put behind closed doors and forgotten about. But we still struggle with idol worship today. Right? Just think about the way that we live our lives and the things that we value. We have the same problem, but it manifests itself a little differently. Rarely do people today claim to maybe worship multiple gods or bow down to physical idols, but we still struggle with idolatry. Money, power, pleasure, comfort. We put other human beings or groups of... And good things can become idols too if we allow them to take over our lives like family and work. Idolatry is really the worship of anything other than the one true God. Right? It's valuing something more than we value God. 
And so it's something that we continue to struggle with today. But when we say that God is united, right, when, when we talk about the unity of God, we are saying that he alone deserves our worship and praise, that he is the only true God and there is no other one like him, that he is the true source of joy and hope and peace and forgiveness. When Jesus was teaching in John chapter 6, he said a few maybe hard, hard he says he had some hard teaching. And it says that some of the people who had been following him began to leave. So Jesus turned to his disciples and, and asked, are you going to leave too? And Peter's response is important. He says that, where else can we go that you, Jesus, alone have the words of life? Right? There are no other gods. Even those, things, those other idols cannot satisfy us. They cannot meet our deepest needs and longings. Only God can do that for us in Christ and through the presence of his Holy Spirit. And so we must give him our worship and honor and praise. Right? And that's more than just singing songs on Sunday morning. Sunday mornings. It's a whole life commitment to following Jesus and making him Lord of our lives. We need to quit running from God, trying to find joy and meaning and significance elsewhere. Instead, we need to go all in and make him Lord of our lives. This idea of God's unity is more than just, just the fact that there's one God, although that's a very important starting place. It also speaks to God's character, that he is, that he is um, perfectly united in his character. That God is the same God in the Old Testament as he is in the New. Right? That's one, one common thing that some people struggle with is, is that we look, at, we look at the descriptions of God in the Old Testament, look at the descriptions of God in the New, and think that there must be something going on here, that God must have changed between those two books. Some propose that the Old Testament God is all vengeance and judgment. But the Old Testament also paints a beautiful picture of God's loving kindness and his patience. Think of passages like Exodus 34, 6 and 7. This is the Lord declaring his name to Moses. He says, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. Yet it does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children of their children for the sin of the parents of the fourth, third and fourth generation. So there we get, we get this idea that God is not just a God of judgment, but he's also a God of grace and love and forgiveness and patience. Some people say that the God of the New Testament is all mercy and love, but the New Testament also describes God's holiness and judgment in vivid detail. Think of stories like Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5, or the great white throne judgment in Revelation 20. Or some of the harsh things that Jesus had to say to the religious leaders of his day in Matthew 23. Right? God is consistent through the Old and the New Testaments. Yes, he's a God of judgment, but he's also a God of grace. And those two things can be held together as one. And finally, we see that all of God's attributes are equally important and essential to everything that he does. So, so God is consistent through Scripture, right? There may be different times where different facets of his character are emphasized, but they're all equally true and all equally important. All of his attributes are essential to his nature. They're not just add-ons. And he doesn't just alternate between those attributes. He's not, for example, in, in the letter to First, first John, it says that God is light in First John 1, and then it says that God is love in First John 4. That is not to say that God is light sometimes and love at other times. 
is not to say that he is part light and part love. No, God is light and love itself at all times. He's completely and perfectly both of those things without sacrificing the other. Another example would be God's power and his love, right? God is, God is all powerful and he's all loving, but he's also powerfully loving and he's lovingly powerful, right? We need to allow those attributes to, to help define the other ones as well. So that in all things and everything that God does, all of his attributes are at work. We can't emphasize one attribute over the other, right? To think that God is only loving at certain times or only powerful at others. But in everything that he does, from creation to salvation to his, the manifestation of his glory, everything points to his entire character. So that in everything he does, he is always loving, always just, always holy, always righteous. He does not stop being any one of those things, but continues to be all of who he is at all times. Sometimes we struggle by emphasizing one aspect of God's character over another. A couple months ago, the kids and Allie and the kids and I went down to a place south of Dayton called uh, Entertainment Junction. It was this huge model train display, but also um, there was like this funhouse aspect of it, and, and the kids loved it. Um, there was all sorts of things for them to do, and, and in one place there was this maze, and we were going through, and in the middle of this maze there were these funhouse mirrors. You guys know what I'm talking about. You stand in front of them, and the way that the mirrors are shaped distort what image you get back, and so you can look really tall or really short or really large. I'll just put it that way. Right? They distort the image by, by, by distorting one aspect of your appearance at the expense of another. Sometimes we do that with God. We, we, we distort God's character by emphasizing one aspect of his character over and against the other, putting them at odds. But that's not who God is. God is perfectly loving, perfectly holy, perfectly righteous, perfectly all of those things all of the time. And he doesn't cease to be any of those things. And I want to give you the perfect example as we wrap up our time here this morning. The perfect example of God's unity is the love and justice of God coming together at the cross. In Romans chapter 3, Paul talking about, uh, he, he had just gotten done discussing how we are all sinners, that everyone has fallen short of God's glory, but that through Christ, God is, is making atonement for our sins. And so I want to pick up kind of in the middle of that. He said in verse 25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. See, because God is perfectly loving, because God is perfectly just and righteous and holy, he cannot tolerate sin. He can't just ignore it, right? The problem of sin needed to be dealt with. And we know that in Scripture, the wages of sin is death, right? So for God to just ignore the reality of sin would, for, would to make him unjust or unrighteous. On the other hand, to just leave us all and treat us all as our sins deserve 
would in one sense be unloving of God. So there's a, a problem, right? We see, there's a problem there that we see. There's, there is a sin problem that needs to be dealt with. And so God, because he is perfectly and completely just, needs to deal with sin. And because he is perfectly and completely loving, he wants to do it in a way that can save us and redeem us to be with him forever. And that's where the cross comes in. Together in perfect unity. Because sin is dealt with on the cross. Jesus gives himself, sacrifices himself for our sins. And yet he is also perfectly loving because he took the punishment that we deserved. He laid down his life so that our lives could be spared. God's perfect love, his perfect justice, his perfect mercy, his perfect wisdom, all coming together at the cross. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together to accomplish our salvation. After we sing our next song, we're going to take communion together. And that is the reminder of God's love for us and his justice towards us. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can reflect on your word and the promises of your word. We thank you that for your unity, Lord, that you are the only God deserving of our worship and praise. You alone are the creator of heaven and earth. You alone are savior. That all other gods are false and deceptions. That you alone deserve our worship and attention. And that, Lord God, you are also consistent in your nature. That you are good and loving and faithful and just and holy and righteous. And all of those things all at once. And we thank you that you give us the perfect perfect display of that in Christ on the cross. We thank you for these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we prepare hearts for communion, let's stand and let's sing the next song, The Blessing. Thank you.
Amen. You may be seated. We've talked already about the cross being the perfect example of God's love and justice coming together. There's no better way for us to remember that, to commemorate it, than by sharing in the Lord's Supper together. Because it's this bread which represents his body broken for us, the the cup representing his blood shed for us, all that our sins would be forgiven. It's also a great reminder of the unity that God provides for us as brothers and sisters in Christ. We've talked today about God's unity, right? That he is, there is only one true God and that he is perfectly consistent in his character and all of his attributes. And it is that one God who brings us together here to this place. That we share the bread from one loaf, that we come to one table, not because we've earned it or deserved it ourselves, but because Christ invites us to the table. So all you who are here that receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, you are invited to the table to take this bread and take this cup and to remember and proclaim Christ's death until he returns. Let's pray together again. Father God, we are grateful for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you that you've provided this sacrament, Lord, as a sign, a very real sign of your love for us, of your justice and righteousness towards sin. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you laid down your life for us, that all you ask us to do is come to you and confess and repent of our sins and receive your grace and mercy. And so we do so today, Lord. We are sorry for the ways that we have fallen short. May we know and experience your forgiveness here today. And we thank you, Lord God, that you make us one in Christ, that you invite us to this table from all different backgrounds, all different experiences, all different walks of life, you bring us here because of your grace and your goodness. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. For Paul writes, I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, gave thanks and broke the bread, saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and having given thanks, So this is my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink, knowing that he died for you. For if you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to come forward and take this sacrament to your comfort. As always, if you're unable to come forward for any reason, there will be a couple elders coming around and can serve you in the pews as well.
Let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful for the sacrament, which reminds us of of your great love for us and all that you've done in order to redeem us and make us children of God. I pray that you would bless and sustain us by your spirit. Equip us, Lord, to live holy and blameless lives for you from this day forward. And as we go from this place, Lord, may we proclaim the good news of your gospel to a world that desperately needs to hear it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace. Thank you.